Welcome to the Grace College Podcast, a ministry of Grace Bible Church located in College Station, Texas. We desire to impact students who will impact the world for Christ. Hope you enjoy the talk and hang around for more after. Well, the Psalms are coming to a close, right? We've got today and we've got next week. And at that point, we'll have wrapped up our series in the Psalms. But I've loved the Psalms. I hope that you've enjoyed learning about the Psalms because they are just the wonderful poetic expression of the human experience. I mean, we're able to read the Psalms and we're able to see an incredible illustration of a tension that we have in our world, a tension between humanity and the world we live in and the God that we want to serve, the God that we want to know. And we see this tension and we're not always sure what to do with it. We're not always sure how to respond, but in the book of Psalms, what we see is an instruction. We see guidance in how do we respond when the revelation of our God meets the reality of our world. When those things collide, how do we live? And and the Psalms are written to us in a way that's musical and poetic, in in a way that they are meant to be read and and even sung from uh, up front, Lord, in a a community. And, And what we see in that is their ability to move in a unique, way, in a way that only music really can. And it's what led John Calvin to describe them as an anatomy of all parts of the soul. It's what lets them be a source of just understanding, something that we can immediately just understand and grasp, something that we can immediately relate to, and something that's often inspirational that moves us, much like this song right here. when lights start barking and you're like, man, this is it. Like we've arrived (laughs) at the moment. This incredible love ballad of our time, this incredible achievement uh, is created by a guy named Sarantos. And he's a Greek immigrant. He lives in the States. He lives in Chicago. And and he's been putting out music. And man, he he gets after it and good for him. And I hope that all those girls know they were being filmed. I'm unsure about that. But (laughs) Man, he is dedicated to his craft because he wants to move people, because he wants to inspire people. In his own words, in the description even of this video, he says that this song is about the perfection that exists in all of us. We are all perfect in our own unique way. I don't think anyone should ever be able to tell us who we are or what we should be. To me, you are perfection from every angle. Always remember who you are and what you want to be. Now, 
That sounds great. Like, I love that sentiment. Um, I understand, you know, sometimes you're just inspired by mesmerizing calves to, to write something and, and put it out in the world. Uh, but the reality is that, you know, we're not always sure of that, right? Like, we're not actually always sure of who we are or of what we should be or what we even want to be. We make mistakes, right? We frustrate other people. We disappoint ourselves. We, we find ourselves unsure and, and insecure of, of who we are. We're not always satisfied with where we've been. We're not always certain of where we want to go, of what we want to be, of what we want to do. We're not always sure of those things. And so we often find ourselves asking the same questions, Questions that are laid out by Dr. Kara Powell, who's a professor out at Fuller Seminary. She's done a lot of work and research into kind of the, the transition from, from youth to adulthood. And so she's written books and, and done research, written articles, put a lot of work into just sort of understanding what does it look like for 15 to 29-year-olds? That's kind of the range that she looks at. She says, what, what are they struggling with? What are they doing? What questions are they asking? What she's found through just decades of work and research is that if you look at people between the ages of 15 and 29, if you look at people, any person in this room right now, she says, we're asking the same three questions. Says we all struggle, we all question, we all want to know who am I, where do I fit, and what difference do I make? This is the overarching, this is the driving question that's at the bottom, at the foundation of who we are, what we're doing. We're all seeking to answer those questions, but the reality is that I mean we struggle to do so. We struggle to answer these questions. Because our identities are fractured, right? And our communities are messy. And we're not always sure what difference we're supposed to make. The trajectory that we're setting for ourselves, it's, it's conflicted. But thankfully, in the midst of these questions, our God has given us an answer. Thankfully, in the midst of these questions, what we see throughout Scripture, specifically in Psalm 105, is that we have a God who has told us who we are, a God who's told us where we belong, a God who has told us what we should do with our lives. And we're reading Psalm 105 in an attempt to understand our response to those big life questions. And while the world tries to determine its own answers and believe its own delusions, we are called as believers to trust what God has told us. We're called to trust him and what he says about our identity, about our community, and about our trajectories that we're following. Psalm 105 opens up with David addressing the people of Israel and he tells them to give thanks to the Lord and to call on his name and to make known his accomplishments among the nations. And that's because these people have reason to celebrate because David is looking at a group of people who have just now retrieved the Ark of the Covenant. David was just made king shortly before this and they had this artifact. There was this Ark of the Covenant, which is kind of a symbolic, it was a symbolic throne for the Lord. And it had been captured by their enemies and it had been taken away from their land. But in this moment, in Psalm 105, David is addressing the crowds as they are leading the Ark back to Jerusalem, as they're bringing it back to where it belongs. And so he takes this moment in Psalm 105 with a bunch of jazzed up Israelites and he wants to tell them who they are, about where they fit, and about what they should be doing with their lives. And he starts off with just answering that question, who are we? He says, well, look, you are children of Abraham, God's servant, you descendants of Jacob, God's chosen ones. 
says, that's who you are at your most foundational level, at your most basic level. You are chosen by God. That's who you are. You are God's chosen people. And he is the Lord, our God, and he carries out judgment throughout the earth. And he always remembers his covenantal decree, the promise he made to a thousand generations, the promise he made to Abraham, the promise he made by oath to Isaac. He gave it to Jacob as a decree and to Israel as a lasting promise. He says, look, you in and of yourselves, what you are, who you are is not defined by where you're going or what you're doing. It's defined by who chose you. And this is hard for us to grasp. This is hard for us to accept. Because as we try to answer the question of who we are, we will fall into the world's practice of placing our identity, of finding our identity in one of three things, either in our alignments or in our actions or in our accomplishments. In other words, we try to find our identity in what we're doing or in what we've already done. And so we look at our alignments and we think, yeah, who I am, it's based on where I align myself, maybe in terms of my hometown, right? 979, like that's just where, that's who I am. That's what I'm about, or maybe we say, you know, it's, it's based, a lot of my identity is found in this team that I support, that I align myself with, with this political party that I align myself with, with this school that I align myself with. I don't know if you've noticed, but Texas A&M is like really big <laughs> on people like calling themselves Aggies. I don't know. You'll get calls after you graduate. You'll see. But we have a big, this is a large thing that, that a lot of us do where we find our identity and where we align ourselves, or maybe in the actions that we take, meaning what are we currently doing? Maybe that's the relationship that I'm currently in, that I'm currently pursuing. Maybe it's the organization that I'm currently involved with or leading. It, it, maybe it's the degree that I'm pursuing or the career that I want. We find our identity in these things that we're doing. We find our identity in things that we've done and those accomplishments and maybe those trophies on our mantle. Or maybe in that salary that we're able to obtain, that number, or that ring we're able to wear on this hand or this one. We find our identity in these things, and man, I'll tell you, it's, it's a problem because these self-determined identities, they always raise more questions. They don't give us a satisfying answer. Instead, they just raise more questions because they're always lacking, right? That high school ring is a lot less shiny when you get to college. Maybe it was a big deal at your school and you made the mistake. Some of us have been there. You, you come to class at A&M, blend the first day. You got that ring on. You're like, hey, guys. Oh, nope, nope, we don't do this. Or you had your lighter jacket on. You're like, ah. And it's just gone. Like you realize that, wow, like maybe there's something even bigger. Maybe that Aggie ring isn't as shiny when you get a few years out of college and you still don't have a ring on this finger. Maybe suddenly you're finding yourself wanting something more, something bigger, something better. And the reality is that there's always something more and there's always something bigger. There's always something better. There's always a higher, a better team, a, a better career, a higher salary, a better status. There's always gonna be something better. Those self-determined identities, they're always lacking and they're also never lasting. Everything ends, whether we want it to or not. Sometimes we want those things to end, right? Sometimes it's a relief. We say, yeah, you know what? I'm from this town, but I got to get out. Right? I got I to I learn to live my life. I got to get out of here. So see you later, Nowhereville, a.k.a. Houston. I'm going to go live out here in Dallas. Like I, we come up, 
to these points where we're like, you know what, I'm glad that I didn't. I'm glad that I was able to quit that job or get out of that organization. But the reality is that most times we don't want some of those things to end. Many times we find ourselves not wanting that relationship to fail, not wanting that person to break up with us, not wanting that internship to fall through. And yet they do. And yet they end. And they always end. And it just raises more questions puts us back on the path of trying to find our identity. Which is why we as believers need to recognize that our identity is not found in where we choose to go or what we choose to do, but our identities are found in who chose us to be his children, who chose us to be in his family. That's our gospel, that we have a God who made us his people, who didn't wait around for us to change our minds or do things right, but a God who so loved the world that he would send his son, Jesus Christ, out of heaven and onto earth to live and die and rise again for our sake so that anyone who calls on his name might be saved, might have eternal life, might have an eternal relationship with the God who made them, the God who loves them. Jesus Christ, who was able to live the life that we could not live, to die the death that we deserved. So that there's no condemnation for anyone who calls on his name. It's by grace. It's from a God who chose to seek after us. Christ says no one seeks after God on his own. But God, because he's so loving, he chose us. He's made us his people and he's given us a promise. He promises us. We see it in Psalm 105. We see it throughout scripture. He's promising us that we have a father who loves us. He promises that we have a spirit who will guide us. And he promises us that we have a savior who will come back for us. Deliver us out of the sin and brokenness and destruction. Out of a world that is just coming to an end. That's what God promises for his people. That's the identity that he offers, and that is an identity that is sufficient. That is an identity that is eternal. That is an identity that is never lacking. That's an identity that is always lasting. That is an identity that is not found in maybe what I'm doing or what I'm choosing to do, even though sometimes we fall into that, right? And we're still gonna do that even as believers. Even as believers, we will find ourselves day-to-day kind of finding, making a mistake, stumbling, putting our worth, putting our sense of identity into those accomplishments. But God says, you know what? You know, you're going to keep making those mistakes, but thankfully I've forgiven that. And my son died for that. And you can always trust God's assurances. That's why we get baptized, to proclaim how good our God really is. I've said the last few weeks, this is the last time I'm going to say it, but we got baptisms coming up in just over a week, in two weeks. We've got baptisms, and it's an opportunity for those of us who have placed our faith in Jesus Christ to step forward and say, I'm going to align myself with the Lord. This is my identity as someone who's united with Christ by faith in both his death and also in his resurrection. That's what baptism signifies, that we identify with Christ, that our identity is found in being one of God's chosen people. So if you have any interest in that, if you are a believer who has not been baptized, please email Ashley. Then she or I will reach out to you. We'll get this process started. It's a short, easy process. And when I would, continue, I would encourage you to consider if you've never been baptized as a believer. But I mean, our, my question for us, a more pressing question, is not whether or not you've been baptized or if you want to get baptized. The much more pressing question is, are you one of God's people? Because I don't, I don't fool myself 
into trying to think that every single purpose, every single person that shows up has placed their faith in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of their sins. I know that there are some of us that have not yet made that step, that are unsure, that are still seeking, still asking questions. So who can you talk to about that? We'll have leaders at the back, people all around you, maybe a friend that brought you. Because, man, that's the most important question you can ever ask yourself. Am I one of God's people? Am I a part of his family? Have I been adopted out of sin and out of death, out of wrath and into his family? Am I a son or a daughter of the Lord Most High? Because I'm telling you, that is the most important decision you'll ever make. This is the most important identity you'll ever take on. So are you one of God's people? And if you are, do you trust his promises? Because David's about to lay out, man, there are reasons that we can trust what God tells us. He says in verse 12 that when they, the Israelites, were few in number, just a very few and resident foreigners within it, they wandered from nation to nation and from one kingdom to another. And he says, and they, uh, he let no one oppress them and he disciplined kings for their sake. And he said, do not touch my chosen ones. Do not harm my prophets. And he spread out a cloud for a cover and he provided a fire to light up the night. And they asked for food and he sent quails and he satisfied them with food from the sky. And he opened up a rock and water flowed out and a river ran through dry regions. And yes, he remembered the sacred promise he made to Abraham, his servant. David's reminding the Israelites, look, you belong in the family of God. As God's people, you belong in his community. And when you find yourself in God's community, you can trust that he's faithful. That's his big encouragement. That's his main focus of what it looks like to belong to God's community. He says it means that you can trust that God's going to be faithful, that he's made promises, that he's going to provide, and that he's going to protect. That's what he draws their focus to. And he does this because he knows that we have a tendency in trying to answer the question of where do we fit? He knows that we will form communities where we feel like it's our responsibility to make sure that everyone gets exactly what they deserve. We put systems in place and ideas in place. We say everyone needs to get exactly what they deserve. Meaning I deserve certain things or certain uh, recognitions or certain whatever it might be. And so I'm going to make sure that I get it. And we turn into this. Hey, Quincy, is it okay if I just bum a cigarette off of you? I just want one. That's <laughs> Hey, Quincy, is it okay if I vacuum the house? <laughs> hey, Quincy, guess what? Oh, oh. okay. I take this bone. Quincy, I'm going to take this bone right here. I'm going to take this bone. Quincy, can I have this bag right here, please? Quincy, can I have your cell phone, please? Oh, can I have these candy canes, please? I touched it. What are you going to do? Quincy, can I please have Barney? Give me Barney, please. Come on. Give me your toy. Hey, Quincy, is it okay if I take the channel remote? I don't want to watch Animal Planet. I don't like that show. Can I have... That's us. Some of you are like, yeah, I did just do that to my roommate over the remote. That's exactly right. Or over our Barney, our house Barney. Uh, but we, 
do this. Man, we find ourselves in the mindset where we feel the need and the pressure to struggle and to fight to secure the recognition or the relationship or the GPR or the salary or the healthiness or the lifestyle that we feel we deserve. But the reality is that it's never enough. It's never enough. We'll fight and scrounge and scavenge and we get that spotlight or we get that salary or we get that marriage or we get that whatever it is. And I'll tell you, you look at the most successful people by however you're defining that, by whatever you think it, achieving that it takes. Man, you'll find people that are broken and still asking questions and still looking for what it is that would bring true fulfillment because the reality is that, man, if we're determining our own community, if we're trying to make sure that we're getting exactly what we need, it's never going to be enough, but we can trust God's provision, his knowledge of our needs. And for some of us, that's really difficult because we are sitting here right now and our thought just went to something in our life that we are pretty certain we don't need. Struggle, a relationship that's falling apart, a sickness that's running rampant, an issue, a situation. I don't know what it is. But we find ourselves in moments with things in our lives or things in the lives of the people we love and we say, we don't need that. And God knows that. And it pains his heart. It grieves him to see our suffering, to see the effects of the sin that we've chosen to bring into our world. But what's incredible about our God is that he will still use those tragedies, he will use the horrors of this world to proclaim the glories of his name. And sometimes we don't see it for a really long time. Sometimes we don't ever see it this side of eternity. Sometimes it's gonna take us a long time and we're gonna need to be dying and then resurrecting into our new glorified state and we need to be in the presence of the Lord and only then we'll probably get to look back and say, okay, I recognize that that's going to hit some of us, a lot of us. But what we see in Scripture is a God who has proven himself faithful to provide for the needs of his people. That's why Christ told his disciples, don't worry about what you're going to eat. Don't worry about what you're going to wear. Don't worry about where you're going to lay your head down. Because God knows what you need. And he's your dad. And he loves you. So we can trust God's provision. We should be able to trust God's protection. As a part of his community, if I'm saying I, I fit in the family of God, that means that I need to trust that God is a protector and, and that goes against our, our inherent, our, our kind of instinct to try to make sure that we get, or we make sure that other people get what they deserve. Sometimes we're the person laying on the ground, but most of the time we're probably just that cowboy like, woo, just going for it. I love it. He's so excited. 
Why? Because there's something in us that wants justice. There's something in us that wants things to be made right. We want things to be fair. We want things to be equal. We want people to get what they deserve. And so if they do something wrong or they offend these people, they do something against those people or that group or whatever it is, we want them to be judged and we want them to be reprimanded. And we'll go out of our way to make sure that that person gets the reprimand or the judgment or the punishment or the revenge that we feel that they need. Some of us are actively involved in that right now. We're icing out that family member or we're not talking with that roommate or we're kind of passive aggressively digging at that coworker or that friend or whoever it might be, because we think it's on us to make sure that other people get what they deserve. But we look in scripture, we look at the nation of Israel, we look at God's chosen people, and we see a God who not only provides, but who protects for a God who has perfect justice that we can trust. We can trust his perfect judgment, justice. We can trust his timing in bringing judgment. He's promised us that there's going to come a day when every single person stands before the throne of God and makes an account for their lives. In fact, we're told in Scripture that we should live in healthy fear of that day. Because he won't leave any stone unturned. We can trust that God will bring perfect justice, something that we can't even do, something that we can't even achieve. Something that even if you're looking at the, the families, the people that walk through incredible suffering, we walk through maybe high-profile cases, court cases, litigation cases for wrongful death or wrongful this or that or whatever it is. Man, time and again, conversations happen, interviews happen with those people. And after it's all settled, after it's all said and done, after punishment has been doled out, they generally don't feel any better. Didn't bring back their son didn't bring back their life savings, didn't write that wrong perfectly. So we trust in God's justice. But again, it's hard. It's hard to do that. Because for whatever reason, as we're trying to form these communities for ourselves, they're all based essentially on karma. Right? Karma meaning that if I do good, then I receive good. If you do bad, then I receive bad, right? That's kind of at this foundational level, a karma system. And for whatever reason, we as people, man, we fall into that. We as believers, we think like, yeah, okay, like I, I need to like do good things and then God will bless me in this way. But if I do bad things, he's going to curse me in this way. If I do these things, like I'm going to see a uh, good, like I've, I've really just led a good life or I've done these good things and therefore I should receive something good in return. And we try to live by karma in, in our lives and the way that we speak, even in the songs that we put out as a Christian community. And I thank God for all of the joy in my life Oh, but most of all For butterfly kisses After bedtime prayer Sticking little white flies
beautiful. <laughs> Ask your dad for that for Christmas, and he'll be really worried about you. Uh, man, when we put these things out, and we kind of, we hear this, and we're like, oh, it's true. And you know what? Some of you are going to dance with your dads at your weddings to this, and that's great. You know, make your mom weep like that. I love it. But the reality said, this is based on some pretty, pretty bad theology. The, the idea that we can do something, maybe we've done so much wrong, but we must have done something right. Right, we, got, we did something, <laughs> something right to deserve fill in the blank. For this guy, it's hugs and eyelash kisses, which is great. But for, those of, for the rest of us, I mean, it, it might be something different. But we still fall into this mindset. We think that we live under karma, which is really, really terrible if we really stop and think about it. We don't actually want to live in, by karma because you know what? If we truly believed in karma, if we really lived under karma, you know what we would all deserve is death. That's it. Our scripture is abundantly clear that we've all sinned, that we've all fallen short of the glory of God. We've all lived lives that are not at all perfect. And anytime sin has entered life, every single little misstep or whatever it might be, that brings upon itself, the, the wage for that is death. Not just physical death, but eternal spiritual death, meaning ripped apart. Literally the thanatos, the word that's used, means to rip something apart. And we've been ripped apart from the God who made us and the God who loves us. And if it's a karma system, we'll never bring it back together. Thankfully, we as believers, we don't live by karma. We live by grace. We have a God who didn't just sit back and wait for us to turn things around. We have a God who chased after us, who stepped towards us. Even though Christ told us that no one seeks after God on his own, God says, you know what? I love you. I'm going to redeem you. I'm going to go grab you and pull you out of your sin and out of your death and out of your foolishness. I'm going to bring you into life eternal life because Jesus Christ is enough. Jesus Christ has secured for us the provision that we need, the protection that we need. And it's all been by God's grace, unmerited favor, a gift. But we struggle with that. Right? My question for us right now even is just where do you struggle with that? Do you doubt God's provision? Are there certain things in your life, certain elements or, or, or items or recognitions or whatever it is that you just feel like you got to hold on to at all costs, that you got to work after at all costs for no matter what happens to the people around you, to the God that you serve? Do you trust his protection? Are you currently engaged in trying to get back at somebody instead of praying for your enemies as Christ instructed us to do? Do you trust God's grace? Are you willing to admit that you're a sinner in need of salvation? That in and of yourself, you weren't, you're not going to fix the world. You're not even going to fix yourself. <laughs> but it's only by grace through faith in Jesus Christ that you might be saved. David says, this is who you are as God's people. A people with a promise that God will fit you in where you belong, in a community where he provides, where he protects. But he moves forward and he says, and this is what we should do. It's not just who we are, where we belong. It's also where are we going? What are we doing with our lives? He says in verse 43 that when he led his people out, they rejoiced and his chosen ones shouted with joy. And he handed the territory of nations over to them and they took possession of what other peoples had produced so that they might keep his commands and obey his laws. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. 
That's the word. David says, all of these things that transpired, all of this movement, all this action, all of this history, says it's not just meant to just be a cool story. Like, oh, cool. Like he says, there's a purpose. There's a movement there. There's a trajectory that's been set that we are a people of God who belong in the community of the Lord, who are moving towards a direction. And he sums it up by saying we should be worshiping and serving our God. That's what we see all throughout scripture, that we as God's people should be worshiping and serving our God. That's our trajectory. That's the clear cut direction that he's laid out for our lives. And sadly, man, we don't buy into that all the time. Sadly, we try to answer that question of what we're supposed to be doing, but by, by setting trajectories based on being true to ourselves, right? Or following our hearts. Like you listen to any Disney song and it will say that, even if it's just like subliminally at the end of the follow your heart. Like it's just in there. And we believe it. And we buy into it. Even as believers, man, I've talked with many of you and you're making decisions and you're mapping out trajectories and you're trying to t- determine destinations. And so often we fall into that trap of thinking, well, what do I really want? Or where do I really want to go? Or where's my heart really leading me? And I'll tell you that that just raises more questions because our hearts are always changing, constantly in flux, and they are consistently wrong. I see this in my home because I have a 21-month-old daughter and she has no filter. She has no structure to her world. She just does whatever her heart leads her to do in any given moment. Sometimes that means that she stands in an ice cream making bowl. Uh, sometimes that means that she just like is upset that she can't watch uh, bubble guppies. And so she goes and just like slaps her mom on the leg. And I say, mm, no, like that's what she does. And we're trying to train her. We're trying to you know, discipline her and show her like, no, like you need to, have some filters and a framework for viewing the world. But the reality is, I mean, our hearts, we look back at ourselves over the years and we realize, yeah, wow, past self, those are some interesting decisions, right? I'm 28. I look back at 18-year-old Jacob, 8-year-old Jacob, and I'm like, daggum. Past, past Jacob, so sweet, um, so dumb, so dumb, so dumb. We look back and we're like, man, did I really need to change my major's? Four times? I feel like three was a more magical, holy number. Or maybe we think like, man, did I, did I really date that person? Uh. One of my favorite things we ever did in youth was we'd have these dating talks and we would sit down all these junior high girls that are just like getting in the dating world and they're like learning to put on makeup and all that stuff. And we would sit down these college leaders with these college girl leaders and we'd just ask them like, hey, girl leaders that are now you know, 18, 19, 20, 21, we'd say, hey, how many of you still like the guy that you liked in eighth grade? I'd be like, none, right? Because <laughs> eighth grade guys are the worst, right? Like you shouldn't. Still like those guys. I'm actually, but I'm curious, how many of us still like want to date the person we were like crushing on in like seventh grade? Okay, none. Well, <laughs> good, but at the same time, I was kind of holding out hope. There wasn't any of the 915 either, and I was like, ah, oh, I want a true love to come through, but you know, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> Maybe next year. But the reality is we look back at ourselves, we're like, gosh, that was a really poor decision to do that thing or to go to that place. But at the time, our heart just was leading us in that direction, right? Our heart really told us, no, this is a good fashion trend. We should totally buy into this. We should wear this outfit. Ooh. <laughs> right, and this is kind of coming back, right? Some of you are even just now like, that's pretty good. I didn't think about adding a macaw to my shoulder. 
with my tracksuit I already own. That's kind of denim. But we look back at our lives like, gosh, yeah, my heart doesn't necessarily always know what's best. And I'll tell you, a lot of times it's because our hearts are drawn towards something that we see that we really want right here. It's like, oh, I'll go this way because I want to get this thing. And we don't realize that, well, now I'm on a path to get over there. (laughs) I don't want to be over there. So we need a trajectory that's set. We need a trajectory that's certain. We need the trajectory that God has given us, that Jesus Christ himself was said was the greatest commandment that you could ever follow, your guiding beacon, the guiding light for your life. As he says, you want to love the Lord your God with everything you've got. You want to love people as yourself. He says, that's who you are. That's what you should be doing with your life. That's how people should recognize the community where you fit. And now we still have to make decisions about jobs and dating and careers and, you know, outfits or whatever. And we're going to make those decisions in our day-to-day. But our guiding light needs to be, well, am I worshiping and serving my God? If I'm trying to really ask myself where I'm headed, if I'm looking at my future, I'm a senior, I'm a junior, sophomore, I mean, it starts freshman year, and I'm looking at where I'm going, I want to be asking myself my primary initial question is not, well, where, what's my, mm, what, what do I, our initial question is, can I worship and serve my God in that place, in that job, or in that relationship, or in that city, or wherever it is? Can I worship and serve my God in that place? Now, whether or not you will is a daily decision, right? That's the whole taking up your cross every single day to follow the Lord. But the initial starting point, when you're looking out and you're surveying all the options, all the potential that you have, which is so awesome and so encouraging, you need to be asking yourself, can I worship and serve my God in those places? That's the first question. Because if you get a no or a uh to that question, you need to just shut that path right down. Because that goes against who you are, that goes against where you fit, and that goes against what you should be doing with your life as determined by the Lord your God. That's tough. All right, we'll still struggle. We'll still find it difficult to, you know, walk this path and, and, and find this identity and find that community. But the good news is that we have that promise of a God who loves us, of a spirit who will guide us, and of a Savior who's coming back for us. Hello, and welcome to the Grace College Podcast. I'm Victoria Lorenz. And I'm Kevin Barra. And we are so glad you're here on the back part of our sermons this week. And our goal is to dig a little deeper into the messages and give some information about upcoming events in our college ministry. Yeah, we uh, normally hear Jacob and I are doing this, but we are excited for Victoria to jump in. Jacob's a little sick today and so was unable to join us. But uh, we both had some fun sermons this Sunday, and uh, we're continuing our, our journey in the, in the Psalms. And we went through Psalm 105 this week, both at uh, Southwood Campus and Anderson Campus. And, and it, was, it was exciting. Um, it was an interesting topic as, as we were talking about, really, identity in Christ. And one of the challenging parts, uh, as, as I was thinking about this, this part of Psalms where it talks about who you are as God's people, and then who we are as Christians in Christ. 
really that hit college students right in the center of where they are. I mean, college is that time when you're just trying to figure out who I am, who am I, what am I here to do, what's my purpose. And, uh, and what was so interesting is to see the students' responses as we really dug into the idea of identity. Yeah, and I just think as college students, when we walk onto campus, we identify ourselves by our major or what year we are, Mm -hmm. and that is not what defines us, because if we define ourselves by that, we're going to fail. But if we identify ourselves as believers in Jesus Christ, even when we do fail, there's always something to celebrate, and it's about Jesus, and it's not about our strengths or what we can create or conquer. It's about Him. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it was it was so interesting, Victoria, as we were able to to even talk with college students on the tail end mm-hmm. of, of the sermons, just to kind of see them wrestling with that. Even some younger students, some freshmen that I talked to, said, "Wow, this I'm kind of in a in a tailspin or a, a redefining moment because everything from high school is past, and I'm trying to redefine who I am in the present." And it was just it, I just felt like it was a really timely message. I'm really thankful that we were able to talk about this at this time. Uh, the big tagline that I kind of centered on I thought was helpful was that any identity you create is an identity that will change, and that change can be crushing. But as we were talking with students, uh, if you can have an identity that's rooted in Christ, that, that identity won't change. And therefore, you can have stability even in the midst of the storms of life. And so it was helpful to get that message across. I hope that was clear um, through our sermons. And, and as you listen to them, I really hope that, that it's helpful as you are entering college and trying to identify who you are, that you could hold on to the root of Christ, even in the midst of those, mm-hmm. of those struggles. So cool part, though, uh, on the events side, we do have a fun, fun event we want to push this week coming up, and it is called Girls Night. Yeah, Girls Night, it's going to be this Thursday, September 29th. We are super pumped about it. It's going to be starting at 6 p.m. in downtown in downtown Bryan at the Grand Stafford. Oh, that's going to be so fun. Oh, yeah, I can't wait. So what's cool about uh, Girls Night is that we pick a theme each year. And so what is the theme this year, Victoria? This year, it's Heart, Mind, and City. And we're going to have three guest speakers that will give a TED Talk style for about 20 minutes on each one. And the thing is, is even if you can't go to one or all three, we are planning on recording them. So it's the best thing. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Okay, so so basically you come to the event, you go to the Grand Stafford Theater, you uh, pick one of the talks to to sit through. It starts at 6. After after those talks, what's going to happen next? Yeah, the girls get to go out. You get to go out and grab dinner or drinks or desserts at the local restaurants in downtown Bryan, and you get to talk about what the message you just heard, and you just get to dig a little bit deeper. Gosh, that's so good. And I can't think of anything better to do on Friday night than to hear some amazing talks from some great speakers and then to have girl time on I the agree. tail end. I agree. It's going to be popping. <laughs> it's going to be so great. Hey, hope to, that you can uh, join us there. And it's always, always very impactful night. Um, one thing, though, that we've heard there's some several events also that Thursday night that are going on. And so what if, Victoria, I've got another event later that night? You can do both. This this event is not going to last the whole two hours. You get to go for the talk, and if you need to slip out or leave early at those restaurants or the local coffee shops, you can. So That's please great. feel like you can come and do both. That's great. That's great. So, yeah, an event you definitely don't want to miss, and if you got something pressing that night, you can definitely do both. So we hope, hope, hope to see you there. Hey, thank you so much for joining us on the Grace College Podcast. We hope to see you again next week. Bye.